to the Wonder Women series of the Maker Mom podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I am your host. Every week I bring you interviews of two female or non-binary makers of all kinds, some of them parents, some of them not. This week's Wonder Women series episode is with Sarah of Sarah Sawdust. Sarah makes just absolutely beautiful wooden landscape art pieces that are huge, quite quite a lot of them are big, uh, big wall art pieces. Um, and so it's really interesting learning about, you know, how she got started doing it and um, her process for making them. So I know you're going to enjoy this interview for sure. But before we get to that, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thanks so much, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Christina B., Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Lauren Rasp File Designs, Sven Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Tool Mom Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou Made by Mary Lou, Amy Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued and ongoing support, helping me to produce two podcast episodes a week, every week. And with no further ado, here is Sarah of Sawdust, Sarah, or Sarah Sawdust. Uh, well, the first part of that will be uh, introducing yourself, uh, since I have guests introduce themselves. So uh, okay. I will say when you're ready, uh, you can feel free to go ahead and do that. Okay. Um, my name is Sarah Barnes. Um, my handle on Instagram is Sarah Sawdust. Um, I've been woodworking for about three years now. Um, I do mostly art pieces. I've done some small furniture, but um, yeah, mostly art pieces. Okay. My background in it is um, my dad was a carpenter growing up and he um, worked in construction and so in the summers and on holidays and stuff I w worked with him so I worked construction for probably three or four summers I guess as I as a teenager and so um, got to know tools power tools um, a little bit and then yeah went through life kind of never knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up and um, uh, fell into this because it was something that I knew I knew I wanted to be an artist from a really young age, but um, just didn't know exactly how I was going to pursue that. Um, I was taught as a kid, like I remember telling my parents when I was really young, like coloring with crayons and saying I wanted to be an artist when I grew up and um, my dad saying, oh no, you don't want to be an artist. You can't make any money doing that. So <laughs> it's kind of like my life took this path where I was trying to, you know, do the right thing and go to college to be in business and 
hated all my courses and, you know, just, yeah. So ended up serving tables for a really long time and trying to figure out, like I said, what I wanted to be when I grew up and then finally just decided to uh, take the chance on this. And it's so far kind of working out. So awesome. So you do it full time then? I do now. Yeah. I'm really, really fortunate. Um, my husband has been super supportive of it. Um, he's an artist himself. He does uh, graphic design and web design, but he also does um, painting and um, murals. And so when he found out that this was something that I kind of um, was passionate about, we started setting up a shop in our old house and um, he's been super supportive. And um, we got ourselves to a place where we were all out of debt. And uh, he said, okay, go for it. And so, yeah, I'm really fortunate that he's, he's been super supportive in that way. But. That's, I mean, that's awesome that uh, you get to take a full-time chance on your, on your dream. Yeah. Um, did you start out, like, did you start doing some of it kind of on the side before you? Yeah, for sure. In? The first couple of years um, I was so it actually came about kind of funny, like I was following some woodworkers on Instagram and I was like, I could do that. You know, just thinking like some of the small, like geometric pieces and mm -hmm. stuff, I was like, I could do that. And I had a table saw and I had a miter saw that my dad had given me. And so um, the first project that I ever made was actually um, a gift that I gave my brother for his birthday. And I posted a picture of it on Instagram and, uh, my cousin got a hold of me right away and she's like, my son wants that same exact thing in our house. I'll pay you for it, you know? And so she paid me for that project. And then I had another person reach out and say, Hey, do you want to do a mountain piece for me? And, you know, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, and I got to a point where I was like, wow, I think I can actually make a little bit of money at this. And I didn't always consider it. Well, I considered it a side gig for a really long time while mm -hmm. I was still serving tables and bartending, but um, yeah. Like I said, I got to that point and my husband was like, all right, let's go for it. So here we are. Awesome. So, I mean, <clears throat> do you still continue to focus then like on kind of like the geometric uh, design type pieces? Um, I do. I do a little bit of both, but um, most of my projects, pretty much all of my projects actually have been commission um, pieces. So um, the majority of them have been people requesting landscapes or like mountains. Um, the very first mountain project I did, I had a friend ask me um, to do the Tetons for, but she just wanted like the straight angle, like that's what her, kind of what her request was initially. And I, I knew that a lot of people were doing pieces like that. So I didn't want to mimic other people's work. Um, and so I decided to get a scroll saw and just change, like, I just wanted to change the top. And um, so I did that. And then once I put that out there, people were like, oh, cool. You know, like, can you do this mountain for me? And so the majority of the work I've done has been mountain pieces, but I really like doing the geometric stuff too. Okay. So, I mean, are pe people are, do people request then like your friend, like specific mountain mountains yeah. to do? Almost always every, people have um, an idea in mind. I've had a couple clients say, you know, take um, artistic freedom, but for the most part, people know what they want. And then um, a lot of, a lot of them actually will send me like a picture or a, like a memory that they have and they want me to mimic that picture. Mm -hmm. And so I'll take that picture and kind of turn it into um, an art piece. What's your process to 
do that to transfer like a a picture into like a a wooden art piece it's changed it keeps changing um i feel like i'm finally at a place where i got a little bit of what my process is i actually have a piece behind me maybe i can kind of show you yeah so i um i take the photo that they give me and i work with a local print shop and i have them blow the image up and then i um, take the image and i trace out the pieces that i want to cut to put the image together and i take carbon paper and place it you know place the wood down place the carbon paper and then trace over those images number them and then put them together you know cut them out and then put them together as a puzzle do all the sanding and yeah so a lot of scroll saw work a ton of scroll saw work <laughs> and a ton of sanding yeah uh when did you get the scroll saw so the scroll saw I, my first scroll saw that i got um I bought just a Ryobi scroll saw. Sorry, Ryobi. I like your tools. I hated that scroll saw. Um, but um, it was that first mountain piece that I ever did. So that's got to be going on two and a half years ago, I want to say. Two and a half, three years ago. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you had practice with other power tools. What was, like? I mean, scroll saws are kind of a different totally. animal. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting myself into. It took, it definitely took a little bit of um, like that first mountain piece. It wasn't really large, but it took me a long time to figure it out. Um, I was also cutting everything into thin strips because at that point I was working with old fencing and mm -hmm. barn wood. I would just go on Craigslist and get the wood for free. And then, um, yeah, I was just, I got a planer. I got this like great deal there's a local store here that does DeWalt days and they took like, I went in and talked to one of the reps and they took like $300 off for me. And so I got a really great deal on a planer. And then I was just taking fencing and barnwood and throwing it through the planer. And actually on that first project, I don't even think I had the planer yet now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, I was cutting them into strips and then doing kind of the like yeah. angular mountains, but then cutting the tops off to be a mountain shape, mm -hmm. like a more organic mountain shape. But so the scroll saw has definitely <laughs> been a learning curve. I've got an, I've got a new DeWalt or not a new one. I got it off of Craigslist, but I got a DeWalt uh, scroll saw that has changed it for me that Ryobi just uh, like jittered so much. Yeah. The vibration crazy. of it. Yeah. 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 I have a, <clears throat> a craftsman um, scroll saw and yeah, it does the same thing enough to like, I mean, that's never necessarily been my jam, uh, scroll, you know, scroll saws and getting into, I'm always trying to do like super detailed work with it. And I think that's my problem because I have like no experience. And so it's just like trying to do detailed work, maybe above my skill level at the time, but yeah. Um, I feel like I'm still trying to do stuff above my skill level <laughs> sometimes, like, yeah. I don't even know. I've had to like change, change out the blades that I use and kind of figure it out with the mountain pieces. I actually use a spiral blade, which I know a lot of people mm -hmm. don't use those. They, they use the, just the straight blades, but, um, I don't know how to turn the corners as efficiently as some people do. And I'm still yeah. working on it. I practice with it, but yeah. Yeah. I've, I want to try out one of those, um, spiral blades because of that, like the same thing. I suck at doing like 
corners whatsoever <laughs> um, yeah. or just like yeah um like tight radiuses um that's where it's like I'll always end up cutting off something that I did not want to cut <laughs> off <laughs> <Yep>. um so <clears throat> you started with just the tops and now it sounds like you're doing like all of it scroll saw pretty much um yeah yeah for the most part the scroll saw is um my most used tool I mean I use everything in my shop but um my scroll saw but fortunately I really like it that's kind of my my scroll saw days and my sanding days I'm one of those crazy people that kind of likes the sanding um because I'll just put a podcast on it. You know, it's a tool that you're not going to hurt yourself with. So, right. well, maybe not too badly. Um, but you, I can just put my podcast on or listen to music. And, you know, it's like when I do my deep thinking and mm-hmm. you know, I'll journal a little bit sometimes while I'm working. And um, I just, I think that it's been good for me to process some stuff. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you doing it all with orbital sander? Or like no, you... um, I have bench top sanders. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, one of the, just the bench top sanders, yeah. and then yeah, and then my husband just bought me a spindle sander for Christmas, so I'll be using that as well. Yeah, um, I was gonna say it'd be pretty crazy to do it all with an orbital sander. <laughs> yeah. Originally, before I had this bench top sander, I was hand sanding everything. I did a like there's one piece that I did. It's a really big geometric piece that I did for the um, front of a kitchen um, island mm-hmm. for a friend of mine. And I hand sanded the whole thing. I think it was like, God, it had to have been 15 plus hours of sanding. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it looked good, but yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That is one thing that I pretty much uh, will avoid at all costs if possible, <laughs> hand sanding. Yeah. Um, but I am definitely one of the people that falls into the camp of sanding is not my favorite uh, thing to do. Though I think I'm starting to realize a lot of it has to do with, um, I struggle to find tools with like the right sized grips to hold. Yeah. And so it's, it's, I don't like it because I struggle with tennis elbow. And so after a while, like, I'm just sore like it's not necessarily the process of sanding that is bothersome because I like you I think there's a meditative kind of thing about it but when you end up sore afterwards it's yeah never fun to do (laughs) more and more I my elbow has never bothered me until like the last six months I'm like oh gosh this is gonna be a problem yeah (laughs) use tiger bomb every night tiger bomb on the elbow it helps (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by ToolMomStore.com. ToolMom and company is for all ages, genders. They have what you need for your one-stop tool-related merchandise of gifts and clothing. Uh, The products are fun, fashionable, one-of-a-kind. In fact, I have two of the mugs. Uh, One has a circular saw with flames coming off of it and says, Go Girl. Another one has the definition of a tool chick. Both of them are super awesome and I have coffee out of them almost every morning. 
So check out toolmomstore.com or find them on Instagram at toolmombonnie. You can receive an extra 20% off at checkout by using the code MAKERMOM. Um, so it looks like I'm looking at your space behind you. Are you, is your shop a basement shop? It's not actually, it's out in the garage. Um, try to show you a little bit here. So this is, um, so we bought this house at the end of October or mm -hmm. excuse me, the end of September. So that's my space, but it is, it's connected okay. to the but the people that owned this house before the um, husband did woodworking and metalwork in mm -hmm. here. So he built, he added this shop on, which is one of the reasons that we bought the house. Um, it was like, babe, we've got to get this house. <laughs> shop <is awesome." laughs> he like the, he's the one who added the wood stove, which mm -hmm. is a game changer for the winter. I was so mm -hmm. cold in my other shop. I just had these two little like electric heaters. Yeah trying to keep warm but this is amazing I feel incredibly fortunate yeah I would um I'd probably do the same thing if I found a house with a shop like that I'd be like yes that's what yeah. we need to buy <laughs> yeah. um so when when you started getting into it as something as an outlet if you were interested in art Where'd the combo come from, like wood and art? Well, like I said, my dad was a carpenter, so I had some power tools that he had given me. Um, in the past, I've built, um, like I had built little coffee tables and I had built bookshelves just out of needing them, you know, and not mm -hmm. wanting to buy them. Um, I built a bed at one point out of all barn wood. It was actually, turned out, it looked good, but it was kind of terrible because like, it would, I didn't like sand it down at all. And so the sheets would stick to the, and get splinters in them. It's yeah. like <laughs> kind of a disaster, but, um, it worked and it was very heavy duty, but, um, yeah, I had done a little bit of that. And like I said, I um, was following a couple of woodworkers. Uh, the first woodworker that I, since I wanted an iPhone. Did you freeze up? Yeah. Let's see. Can we, you hear, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you froze up for me and it's, it's my internet connection. That's the problem, but you froze up for me, right? You said the first person you followed and then you froze. So okay. I didn't hear anything after that. <laughs> So the first woodworker that I ever followed was Ariel Alasco. And she's um, like, I think she was one of the first to post some of that geometric type uh, woodwork on online. Mm -hmm. And uh, I looked at her work and I just loved it, was super drawn to it. And I thought, you know, I could do something like that. Um, and I thought about it and thought about it probably for six years before I really tried it and, you know, made that piece for my brother. But 
I'm okay. one of those people that tends to have the idea, but lacks the confidence to get it done, you know, sometimes or like I can talk myself out of it, but yeah. why like, but if you had all this experience with power tools, like what was, what was holding you back? Do you think confidence wise? I think it's kind of that voice in the back of my head. Like I need to do some, be responsible and do something that's going to make money. You know, you kind of, when you're younger, especially your um, self-worth and value is kind of wrapped up in that societal view of um, you got to make money and mm-hmm. you've got to be, that's what you provide, you know? And uh, instead of having the, you know, like I wasn't, my parents were, um, were poor when I was younger. And so I think that they just really wanted me to go down that path and, you know, have a better life than what they had and um, just not struggle financially. And so that's kind of how they coached me. Um, And pursuing art was not, you know, that, you know, it just didn't encompass that mentality Mm -hmm. at all. And so I just was never told pursue your passion and the money will come. You know, I had to hear that a lot before I ever gained the confidence to try, you know, mm-hmm. try to do that. But I mean, I was, I ended up serving tables. So I was like, I'm not doing, I'm not <laughs> doing that anyways. Right. I'm stuck in this and serving tables. Like I don't want to bad mouth it by any means. Um, it is a profession that's definitely not taken serious, especially in the States. Um, but it was, it was really good for me. I was really shy as a kid and really socially awkward. And so having to talk to strangers all the time was actually really good for me. And, um, I met a lot of really wonderful people through that, um, experience and yeah, came out of my shell and kind of came into my own through doing that. So I wouldn't Mm -hmm. take it back, but when you were, when you were like a kid and stuff and, and, still you know being told not to go necessarily down the route of being an artist did you still like did you take art class and stuff throughout school I did I took a couple um I took an art class in high school I remember and uh I played sports and I think that that teacher at that time um it was in the 90s looked at it as like there's the artsy kids and there's the athletes in the sport and there wasn't really like a cross you know mm-hmm. we don't I don't think that at that time the mentality was especially in that I grew up in a small town in that small town it was there wasn't a mentality of like yeah you can you can be both or do both and mm-hmm. um so I think that he definitely didn't take me serious and so um he didn't really encourage my you know he I could see with some students, he was really encouraging and really like trying to help them along because he knew that that's what they were going to do. And he didn't think that of me. And so I feel mm-hmm. like it, I felt discouraged by taking mm-hmm. that class to more than anything, um, which was kind of unfortunate, but you know, life takes you on, on whatever journey it's going to take you. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you, I mean, have you had practices, uh, creative practices or art practices uh before combining it with the woodworking um Um, I mean I think I've dabbled a lot um like I tried drawing for a while I'm not good at drawing um 
I painted, but I, you know, like I liked it. Um, I liked painting, but it really didn't do it for me. You know, I was mm-hmm. still, I feel like I was always kind of searching, but also just in the back of my mind, I just think that I, I was always like, I had anxiety about even doing that. I don't know why, because I just, I've always had this mentality, like, what are you going to do with your life? You need to figure it out. And like, I was trying to choose a career, you know, like it just, right. I just didn't think about it that way. Um, but I mean, I, I feel like I've always been fairly artistic. My mom has definitely told me that I have been artistic always. Um, like I like to do hair and makeup and I liked to do, you know, for a long time. And then I knew I didn't want to do that. I thought about being a hairdresser for a while and I was like, nah, I thought about doing like uh, makeup for weddings. And then I was like, no, nah, I don't really want to do that. And, you know, I just couldn't choose what I was really passionate about until honestly, like Instagram, it just, you know, Instagram, like social media open up all these, like, like, yeah, just open up all these like avenues. You can see what all these other people are doing with it. And with, mm-hmm. with the woodwork, I was like, I know how to use power tools and that is really cool. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of how I fell into it. What's, what are the conversations like now, now that this is your full-time thing? Um, I mean, it sounds like your parents wouldn't necessarily be surprised, but, um, you know, yeah. what are those conversations like? Well, I think in originally, um, like especially when I first quit my job, I think both my parents are like, ooh, um, <laughs> are you sure? But um yeah, I think it took him a little while to take it serious. My dad is definitely on board now. Um, I think it feels good to him to have one of his children kind of following in his footsteps. You know, I think that, so he takes pride in that. He actually, he's been really supportive. He, um, he bought me a bandsaw. He's, I promised him a project, which I'll get to at some point. Um, but yeah, he's been really supportive. I think my mom is still struggling a little bit to take it serious, but I mean, um, yeah, it is what it is, I suppose. <laughs> but, you know, the, the more, the more the business grows and the busier I get, you know, mm-hmm. that, that will all come. But. Is it, I mean, do you think there was a level of, um, confidence growth and being able to do it be, because of like your husband's an artist as well oh for sure definitely um he was like I said he's the first person who really encouraged it Mm -hmm. um and he like he showed me that he just does it you know like he he's one of those people that when he says he's going to do something he's out there the next day and he's doing it like he doesn't whereas for me I'm like oh I think I want to do this and then like a week and a half later he'd be like so do it (laughs) you know, (laughs) what's holding you back. And he, he, you know, like I've talked, talked through, I deal with anxiety quite a bit. And, um, he's been, yeah, he's been really helpful in that way. He's like, you just start and you figure it out and you, you know, and go from there. And, um, yeah, it's just been, that's the hardest part for me is just starting. And then once I get started, then I, yeah, everything kind of falls into place. And he is, yeah, I really do. I give my husband a lot of credit. He is the first person to really encourage it. Um, and to take me serious. So. Mm-hmm. I, you know, feel free to tell me you don't want to share, but I do, um, I find quite a few, uh, especially uh, female makers who, 
you know, deal with or struggle with anxiety or depression and like woodworking or making in general just really helps them mm-hmm. with that. Um, so do you mind sharing like how you feel it kind of helps you uh, personally work through some of that? So, yeah, like I said, um, for me, it's, it is kind of like a meditative, deep thought um, sort of thing for me. I'm in my space where I'm super comfortable. I'm um, a homebody anyways, and uh, it just allows me time to be introspective and to kind of reflect on, um, okay, this has been bothering me. This has been like a holdup for this long in my life. What is that about? And um so uh, I've been listening to a ton of podcasts and a ton of like, I listen to Brene Brown a lot. She is, she's like changed my life. I actually found, I found her through Anne of, um, oh my gosh, Anne. Anne of all trades? Or... Yes, thank you. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe I couldn't remember that. <laughs> That's the nurse. Yeah. Um, yeah, Anne of all trades had a post that she posted about um, Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. And I like immediately bought the book and read it and um, was like, oh my gosh, that's such like, she just like languaged all the stuff that I've been feeling, but couldn't quite process mm-hmm. and couldn't quite figure out. And um, yeah, it's like, it's changed my world. So I listened to her a lot. And so honestly, yeah, it's like a, it's been kind of a therapeutic um, thing for me. I, I, like I said too, I write and journal, I'll have, you know, I'll have thoughts or like, have kind of like aha moments while I'm listening mm-hmm. to a podcast and then I'll just write it, write about it and write it down. And I think the release of writing about it helps a lot um, too. like, just to put it down on paper and to put it into words to language. It is really important. And uh, yeah, I had, I had had some kind of strange traumas in my life, which um, I didn't really ever take into consideration and uh, into like why I have anxiety, mm-hmm. but um yeah, it's just started kind of processing a lot of that stuff recently. I think in your, like I'm 39, it's kind of late to be processing, but um, I think in your late thirties is kind of when you start really wanting to figure all that stuff out instead of running from it and avoiding it and mm-hmm. just want to be better. But. I'm 39 as well. So I totally relate to that. <laughs> we'll be 40 this year. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When's your birthday? Uh, September 19th. And really? Mine's the 10th. Yeah. Well, Anne of all trades and I share the same birthday, September 19th. Oh, cool. Yeah. Right. The 10th. Yeah. September birthdays are the best. That's my personal belief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> hey, makers. I want to tell you a little bit about today's episode's sponsor, Athena Outfitters. So when I'm in the market for a new pair of work boots, I do a ton of research, make sure I'm getting something that's going to fit right and going to last. Well, Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that has a tons of experience with footwear. They've taken the time to select the very best shoes and boots made by each of the most reliable footwear brands and when I shop at Athena Outfitters site it saves me time and energy because I trust that they found the best shoes for every job and activity plus bonus you can shop online 
So next time you need new work boots or some other type of high performance shoe, check out athenaoutfitters.com, uh, gear with grit. And Athena is A-T-H-E-N-A and then outfitters.com. You can also get a special discount at checkout by using the coupon code MM, that's capital M, capital M15 for 15% off any purchase just because you're a listener of the podcast. All right, let's hop back into the episode. Um, I guess like... I, I totally agree, and I applaud you for being able to listen to Brene, like, on the regular, because I have to take breaks from her, because I say she, like, destroys me sometimes in the sense of, like, ah, I didn't want to think about that, and now I have yeah. to think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But um, when it comes to your work, you talked about you do uh, mostly commission pieces. Do you make ever just for you? Not for a while. I haven't. Um, I have ideas and like, I have some sketch sketches that I do. Um, I'm not tech savvy at all, so I don't know how to use the computer very well, but, um, I, yeah, I've done some sketches that are for me and I've, um, like I've done some small pieces. Like I did some wood burning, um, pieces that I really liked that I just gave away. Um, like I gave my dad some something for Father's Day, but that stuff is just again like really meditative to be able to do. Um, but I have I have a list of clients that are waiting on commissions right now, so I'm trying to just focus in on getting all of those commissions done because it is also you know like I'm committed to trying to <laughs> make a little money for you right. know my husband has been so supportive of this, so yeah. Does that ever, you know, I've had others talk that like they'll shy away from making it a full-time gig just because the fear of like it not when you turn it into a job is it as enjoyable um do have you found that to be true for yourself or like is there any extra level I guess of like so I I think that's kind of funny um I hadn't really considered that um I've been doing it for money the entire time. Like I, right. I never really, like I made the one piece that I gave my brother, which was really nice, but, um, everything else I have sold. So, um, it's just been a part of it from the get go for me. I, um, it does. I mean, it definitely adds another level of stress to like have a deadline and, but I also work a lot better under pressure than I do. Like if it's just up to me to manage my time, I'm not great at it. <laughs> I have to admit that. So it's, it's actually better for me to have deadlines and to have, um, you know, somebody that I'm accountable to, to get the projects done. If mm-hmm. I were just doing it for me, I think that, um, I mean, I would definitely do pieces and I'm not one of those people that starts something and doesn't finish it, but yeah, I think I get it's it. <laughs> I get it. Um, Though I even find myself where if I am making a piece for somebody and have a deadline, I struggle with that deadline as well. Um, <clears throat> so how do you manage um, deadlines and such? Because I'm imagining when people are reaching out for a commissioned piece, like they're probably, they, they might have input on when they want it, but they're probably also asking like, 
you know, when can you have it done and that type of stuff. So how are you, how do you schedule out your work? How do I schedule out my work? <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, I don't think I'm super business savvy with this. I'm trying to get better. And with, you know, with time, I'm getting better. Um, I have a calendar that I keep um, and I just try to keep track of. Um, I have like a client list and I keep track of when they asked for it. And I keep track of who has a deadline. A lot of people have been really patient and just say, whenever you can get to it, especially if I say, you know, I, ha I have a handful of clients that need something. Um, they'll say, okay, you know, take your time, just get back in touch with me when, when you're ready. And so mm -hmm. for the most part, for the most part, most people that I've made for are people that I know through, you know, somehow, mm -hmm. but um, I've had a few strangers that have contacted me and that I have made pieces for, um, but for the most part, most people are really patient and realize that it does take a good amount of time for me to finish these projects. They're really time consuming and pretty tedious. So mm -hmm. I try, I try my best to schedule, schedule it out, but, um, yeah, time management, working on that all the time. <laughs> if you figure out the secret, please share it with the rest of us. Okay. <laughs> as you can well attest to my time management skills are lacking as in I double booked you yesterday. So <laughs> oh, I totally get totally get I'm like, Oh, I need an assistant. Like for real. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what, how are clients finding you? Is it word of mouth? Is it social media? Like how do you obtain most of your clients? It has been all Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. I don't have a webpage yet. I keep trying to talk my husband into making me a webpage. Um, but you know, he's got other priorities, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, just Instagram and Facebook. It's been really pretty incredible to the outreach that I've had. So I met a lot of people through serving tables. That was kind of another really benefit of that, I think. Um, so I've had a lot of clients that have come through that, like mm -hmm. uh, just, just knowing people just by mm -hmm. having met them. So. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to lumber, you said you started using barnwood and stuff like that. Are you still trying to like source a lot of what you work with like through um, those like craigslist and stuff like that i so i got really really lucky um i was using all fencing and barnwood um for my initial projects and um then i had a uh, local furniture maker contact me so, well, okay. First off, I have, I have a couple of friends that are contractors also. So um, they have given me wood over, over the years, um, <laughs> some fencing, but some like really fancy wood, like um, my friend TJ, he um, built, was building um, a really big bar and he was using like some really nice, like, uh, oh, what is it called? Black Limba. And he gave me a ton of it. Like he gave all of their cutoffs from this bar, which I've been still using. I've had that probably a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then um, I had a lo another local furniture maker, um, Patrick with Monkey House. He um, he uses mostly black walnut and mahogany, and he gives me all of his cutoffs. So like all of this wood mm -hmm. there, I have tons of it. It's just all all of his cutoffs and his scraps. So he gives me all of that, and because what I'm doing he, um, uses a lot of small pieces, I can really utilize that. So mm -hmm. um, everything that I get is for the most part, um, free to me. 
I do have to buy some, you know, the backing and stuff. And sometimes I have to buy um, a little bit of lumber, but for the most part, what I use is somebody else's scraps, which is mm -hmm. for me really nice because I'm an environmentalist too. And I do kind of hate that cutting down trees, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, I think that's awesome because I have found, you know, I end up with like buckets and buckets of scrap wood and I don't actually do a lot <laughs> with my scrap wood um, unless I'm using it to like as a jig in a jig or something like that. Um, but I find it like, I'm like, I can't just throw it away. Um, yeah. Cause the same thing, it's like, I just don't, I want to be conscientious about like using it. Um, and I, you know, have done more research to find out about like how to be more conscientious about just like respectful to the environment and the type of materials to use and learning that like, you know, the big benefit of trees, right, is they remove carbon from our atmosphere, but when they decay, they release that carbon back into the atmosphere. And so yeah. it's like, okay, let's see how long we can, like how many uses we can get out of this before yeah. that happens yeah. type thing. Exactly. Um, so I think that's awesome you get to use scraps. Uh, do you, I mean, is there any level of like color type stuff you're trying to work with when you're creating your pieces, like, you know, the wood grain color and stuff? uh specifically because you're making landscape so yeah so um i have started using well i started using a while ago rubio monocoat for mm -hmm. um, any of the colors that i'm using other than that i use like minwax stains mm -hmm. um, i just use their oil stains and they've worked really well for me because mo most of what i do because it is landscape are i'm trying to get natural hues mm -hmm. And so I use for this, like the sky and the water and trees, I use the Rubio Monocoat, um, which has worked out really well. I love how um, their product like lets the um, wood grain shine through really well. Mm -hmm. And it's worked out, especially on the skies because that wood grain like looks like clouds kind of. And mm -hmm. it's so for coloring, that's what I've done. I've used a little bit of spray paint. Like I said, my um, husband does murals. So he's got an incredible collection of spray paint. So that's always available to me too, which is mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've only used, um, I mean, I use color in like all of my stuff for the most part. <laughs> um, so, and I use dyes a lot, but I have tried the Rubio. They sent me um, like, just like a sample of, you know, their different colors and stuff to work with. And yeah. that's taken me quite a, uh, quite a ways, you know, a little bit goes a long way with uh, yeah, their stuff. Yeah, it does. Yeah. What's the typical size of your pieces? Most of them are probably in like the two foot by four foot range. Most okay. of them. Yeah. Yeah. And are you, I mean, besides the mountain, so are you cutting out just like, like how many pieces do you think you cut out to go into a piece that size? It's usually about 150 pieces. It varies, but the last, yeah, the last few projects have been, I, as I, as I've progressed and like found more of my process and gained more confidence in, in, in my process, um, mm -hmm. I, they've gotten bigger and more like I've been able, like I want to do more detail and, 
mm-hmm. um, you know, I want the mountain pieces to look like they come in this way and in this way. And then, you know, so mm-hmm. using the grain to do that has been, yeah. But like I said, I like I like scroll sawing and I like sanding. So it hasn't been, it hasn't been too bad. Like do you just glue it all onto the backing? I do. And a big, like you said, a big puzzle type. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to lay out the outline on the backing? Yeah. So behind, like behind the mountain pieces, I always paint black so that mm. the, um, like the lines and cracks between them don't show through. So it, it, that it's a process. I have to lay all the pieces down um, and like trace around the outline or like um, trace around the outline, maybe with carbon paper initially kind of depends mm-hmm. on what the project is. But, um, and then I paint the black in there and then I, you know, I take all the pieces off and I paint the black and then I, I'll paint the sky and then I'll lay them back on and get them all arranged exactly how I want them and then pick them up individually, like really carefully, put glue on, <laughs> put it back very carefully. And, you know, so it's very, yeah, it's a really delicate, tedious process, but yeah, um, yeah just glue. I was um, in some of the geometric pieces, I definitely was using uh, Braddon or two, uh, but for the most part, I just used wood glue. When, so do you finish the individual wood pieces before you glue it on? Yeah. 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 So that's another step in it is I put them all together and then I kind of decide what, how I want the colors to be and how I want all the hues to come together. And so I'll pick them up individually and stain them and set them back down. And, you know, like, so it is, I, I put the puzzle, take apart the puzzle and put it back together about four times altogether throughout <laughs> the process. But today's sponsor is rasp and file designs rasp and file was created to give new life to old things and create spaces that feel timeless unique and warm your home and business should be your sanctuary a place of solace and your personal piece of art the owner and woodworker behind rasp and file designs is Lauren Matthews and you can follow along and find out more information on Instagram just look up rasp filed designs or on the internet at rfdesigns.squarespace.com Uh, how do you figure out pricing this I mean this whole process sounds like a lot of time (laughs) pricing is definitely the hardest part about the business side of it um it's it's really hard people ask me my pricing and I always like get like anxiety like oh I hate this question but I know they have to ask right um it's hard I try to I'm like at this point, I'm trying to guesstimate how long it's going to take me to do a project. And it's usually about six full days of work. If mm-hmm. I have, you know, like if I'm really putting my head down and giving it a full, a full day of work, um, most of them take about that long. They always take a little bit longer than I think, but mm-hmm. so I'm trying, I'm trying to get, get it to where I'm making like $35 an hour. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Pricing is tough. I've kind of set a baseline of what I'll like the lowest that I'll take at this point. Mm-hmm. And like my dad, my dad is 
um, really encouraging. So he always says, you got to price it right where it's just a little bit uncomfortable for them. Like, you know, you've hit the sweet mm -hmm. spot. If it's just a little uncomfortable for them. Like it's a little more than they thought, but they'll pay it, you know? Right. So I'm trying to find that sweet spot. I've quoted some people in it. They just like ghost me. And mm -hmm. I know that it's, I do. I mean, I charge, I charge more than probably what some other people do, but I also think that I really, um, I put the work into it and it does take the time. So mm -hmm. uh, it's hard, it's hard to price it out. You know, some people really, really understand and they get it. They know how much time goes into it. And some people are like, you can do that on a CNC in a day, you know, mm -hmm. why are you charging that? So, right. Yeah. What's your responses to people who say that? Do you explain? I mean, do you it's tell them? <laughs> Most people or, don't say it's too expensive. They, they just ghost me. Like they just yeah. don't. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I've had, like, I, ha I haven't done like craft, craft shows or something, I, mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, people, um, I know that other makers have struggled with people saying that's too expensive and it's usually when they do like craft fairs and, yeah. um, but I haven't done that. So I, ha I really haven't run into that whole lot. I just, like I said, most people just are like, okay, I'm not totally ghost me and don't say anything at all. But, um, I have tried to like in some of my posts, um, explain that mm -hmm. it is a really long process and that I'm, I'm putting the work in and it takes a lot. I mean, all together, like planning it out takes time, you know, getting the print made is takes time, getting all the materials. Like it just, yeah. Right. Some people get it and some people don't. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, have you struggled at all when it's like you give a price and e either they ghost you or they, if they do say it's too much, uh, do you ever get that inkling to like, oh, I should lower the price? Oh, for sure. My immediate inkling, like if if I don't hear back in the first five minutes, I'm like, oh, should I just say, well, like, I'll keep them down. You know, my husband's like, no, just leave it there and see what they say. You know, and usually it'll take like a couple of days and then they'll come back and they'll be like, well, that was a little more than what I was expecting, but you know, let's mm -hmm. go ahead and do it. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, that is kind of the, the sweet point in it. it is finding that place um I definitely maybe have overquoted a little bit to a couple of people and so you just learn that like that's just part of the business that you have to learn is um pricing is hard I think it's especially hard for women because I do think that like we kind of undervalue our time and um we're taught to be like nice and you know mm -hmm. like accommodating and so like I said yeah you your initial instinct is kind of be like, oh, you know, like if that doesn't fit your budget, that's, <laughs> like, just let me know. I'll take installments right. or uh, we, I can drop the price or, you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm confident enough to say this is my price and I can't really go under that is it's taken some time, but I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a journey. Um, I, I will say still to this day, I have never charged enough for my time. Yeah. That's uh, tough. That's tough. One being like a big reason is just because I always underestimate the amount of time it is going to take me. Um, like I really need to start just when I estimate it, just automatically at least doubling it, if not tripling the amount of time totally. Uh, totally. that I think. So that's for me, honestly, the biggest part is like I generally ask you know, the amount I want to make for the time that I estimated. Yeah. However, I can never meet that estimated time. So that's yeah. where it's like, I never really, 
like I pretty much always end up working for like minimum wage type money by the time it's all said and done. I did that on a a lot of projects. I did that on a lot of projects. I did one project in particular that like I cried at the end. I didn't even post it because I didn't want anybody else to ask me for something similar. It was terrible. I did like a river table for a bar top and then I built like I built the bar and I built the like a desk next to it and like I way undercharged it. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't know how much epoxy cost. You know, I was so surprised at how much the epoxy cost. And then, so I had to buy the materials for that project. Yeah. And I just way underquoted it. I think I made less than a dollar an hour on that project. And I just yeah. bawled at the end of it. I was like, ah, yep. <laughs> yeah, I will not do that again. I yes. learned that lesson the yeah. hard way for sure. Yeah, that is, that is for real for real, the struggle. And, and so as time has gone on, I learned to like adjust numbers, right? Like, for example, two years ago, I sold a set of um, carved bar stools where the seats were carved, the bases were metal, um, sold them through a local interior designer. Um, And at the time, I thought I was overcharging, but you know, the interior designer takes like a 30% commission right off the top. And so like I had I had, I had to charge more than I normally would have just because I was like, well, I have to make something. Yeah. And something happened with the seat. Uh, and so the client wants like a new seat made. And so, you know, they're reaching back out to me and how much for the new seat. And I tell them the price and they're like, we almost paid that for the entire stool. And I said, yeah, I've learned the value of my time. <laughs> and so if you want me to make you a new seat, this is what it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you have to, it's yeah. hard. It's, it is a hard thing to do. It's very hard, but it, you just have to do it. Like you just, I'm forcing myself to become more comfortable with asking for what my time is really worth. So mm-hmm. yeah. do you find any struggle with like, like, I think sometimes, you know, my pricing locally is like, seen as super high whereas in comparison like if I was selling these pieces uh where I think they would easily sell like on the coat you know on either coast like yeah I don't think anybody would bat an eye about these prices totally totally um yeah so that's funny that you brought that up I was actually just thinking about that the other day um people locally do tend to have more of a struggle with um with the price um and I was thinking like is this an Idaho thing because my friend TJ, who's a contractor, said that he has struggled with that. He moved here. They moved here like, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. That's probably more. Um, but anyways, he has said as a contractor, pricing here has been a lot harder because people are like, oh, I could get it, get it for cheaper. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like if you want a product that is quality and, <laughs> right. you know, then you then you're going to have to pay the price. But like I, I've had a couple of people from California contact me and I give them the price and they don't bat an eye. No. They just, they're like, that seems cheap. It's like, right. Oh, okay. Well, good to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think absolutely. Um, and, and I always struggle because like, you know, what I make, I mean, you make big pieces and I can imagine shipping has got to be pretty decent <laughs> shipping it to, to California. It's got to be a decent price. Yeah. Yeah. That's really weird. Um, my first piece that I ever shipped was I shipped to my cousin in Ohio and it was $300 to ship it. 
And then I had another piece that like the big Buffalo piece that I have, it was three feet by three feet. And it was going to cost like $350 to ship to San Diego. And that piece was for my, um, my husband's sister's husband. And, um, we, so we ended up just, they bought us a plane ticket and I just took it as a carrier, like a, a yeah. bag. Yeah. And it was cheaper that way. Cause it was like 75 bucks to do that. Right. Uh, which is the three fifty. So she just paid for us to fly there instead, because then we got a trip out right. of it too. But, um, recently I sent another project down to, um, California. And when I went online and did it through UPS, mm-hmm. um, it was 65 bucks. It was like, why is it so much cheaper? Right. And so the, the guy who's a furniture maker that gives me the, all of his scrapbook, he said, yeah, go online, set up an account. It's way cheaper if you just do it online. And I was like, oh, okay. So I tried it that way instead of just going into the yeah. UPS store. And it was like way cheaper. So do I don't know. you have to have like the printer and stuff though for all of the? No, I just had... Um, yeah, I just had the like the label on my phone, like, and they just have a barcode that they scanned, and then they print the label, oh, the label and put it on. Like, I boxed it myself and mm-hmm. did all of that. But I'm yeah, really so gonna need to check that out. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my last my last project, and I have no idea why it would be so much cheaper. I guess just because then you save time for them, but it was significantly cheaper. Yeah, because I had like. Um the last wood and resin bowl that I made, you know, that had been like commissioned when I sold it to uh, the client, she lived in Iowa. And so I was like, well, shipping would, would be free, you know, or included with the price. And then she moved to uh, Washington state. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, you know, and that's fine. I still said like shipping's included because that's the deal we had made and, and that was mm-hmm. fine. And I took too long on it anyways, but when I took it in and I had boxed it and everything, something that I had sold for a little under $200, the shipping was $50. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, yes, it was like a, like a, you know, a decent weight to the bowl and everything, but I'm like, it's still just a bowl and I boxed it. (laughs) Like, and I took it to UPS at that time because I, with, with the pandemic, I just don't always feel comfortable going into our post office because it's super tiny and all of that stuff. So I'm like, I'll go to the UPS store. I just feel more comfortable like going into that space. And I'm like, but $50, like, yeah, that was like a court, like more than a quarter of the price <laughs> that I got for this exactly. thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've had to learn to say, um, quote people what I'm going to charge for my time and then say, and then shipping is, you know, in addition to not included in that price. So whatever the shipping is, um, hoping that the client just realizes that it's going to be fairly expensive. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I mean, honestly, that's what's uh, caused me to pause as far as like looking to sell my pieces beyond locally, just because um, you know, a carved log table is probably weighs 20 plus pounds. And yeah, I'm like, I can't, like, I don't even want to imagine how much it would cost to ship that. Um, yeah. You'd probably have to go through UPS freight for that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm just learning this all too. Um, 
but Patrick, who's helped me out, he, he does all furniture. So he does big pieces. Like he does yeah. consoles. And he said the majority of people that he sells to are in California. And so I'm like, what are you paying for shipping? And he said, well, I don't pay for it. It's like my clients pay for it. And like, I just, you know, he charges, he charges them his price and then says, you know, sh- shipping is on you basically. And, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, they don't bat an eye. He's like, people don't, don't even think twice about it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just part of the deal. So again, I think that that's kind of, he's a little, he's more established. And I think, you know, I hate to bring the sex thing into, but I think that men can ask for a price and it's a little bit easier and they're taken serious a little bit more. And I think, I, I think, I don't think it's wrong to bring gender into it because I think the client on the other end thinks to your point, I I don't know if it's that they don't question it. I think they probably do question it on some level, but the fact of like, actually responding with the question of like are you kidding me or like whatever yeah. I think they're more likely to do that back to a female than to a male yeah I bet you're right um yeah yeah well we're actually we're like at the end of our time <laughs> um, oh, really yeah <laughs> uh so I want to make sure to give you another chance to let people know um, where they can find you, uh, on social media and how to follow along with you. Okay. Um, Instagram, um, it's just Sarah, Sarah Sawdust and is it Sarah Sawdust 208? I don't even know. It's horrible. <laughs> and I think um, it's Sarah dot Sawdust. Yeah, you're right. Yes. <laughs> Gosh, I should know that. <laughs> Sarah Sawdust on Instagram and then it's Sarah Sawdust on uh, Facebook as well. So. Yes. Awesome. Thank and you. I'll, yeah. I'll include the, the links uh, for those in the show notes so people can follow along with you. And yeah, thanks. Uh, I really enjoyed it. All right. Again, that was Sarah of Sarah Sawdust. I will include the links on how you can follow along with her in the description for the episode. So just check that out on whatever podcast app you're listening on or down in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. I am also working on and getting very close to being caught up in putting the show notes up on my website. So that would just be freemanfurnishings.com slash podcast. Um, And so then the links would be there as well. If you enjoyed this week's episode and all the past episodes, please remember to hit that uh, subscribe, like, comment button, head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review. All of that helps the algorithms know that not only do you like the podcast, but others like you might enjoy it as well. Uh, Make sure you follow along with the podcast over on Instagram. That's just at Podcast. Um, And share with a friend about the, you know, something cool that you learned about this week's maker, Uh, share about the podcast, make sure you tag me if you happen to share about it on Instagram. And I I really just enjoy hearing about people enjoying the podcast. Head on over to Patreon, check out joining the tribe over there. That's just patreon.com forward slash maker mom podcast. There's a few different tier levels that you can join up with that come with different merch, maybe a t-shirt or a mug or a sticker or all of the above. Um, and no matter what level you sign up for, you get access to additional content. 
which also includes live podcast episodes where if you're a patron, then you get access to the Zoom link so you can hop on the Zoom while I'm doing the interview. And at the end of the interview, get to ask your own questions of the maker. So that's kind of fun. If that sounds super interesting, go check out patreon.com forward slash maker mom podcast. Uh, you can also just check out swag. You know, I've got the uh, Wonder Women tees that I'm wearing today, along with the 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 uh, OG as it would be um, for the Maker Mom logo and all kinds of goodies over there. T-shirts, mugs, just all kinds of goodies. When I am not making podcasts, you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor over at FreemanFurnishings.com. And pretty much at Freeman Furnishings across all the social media. So that's YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and LinkedIn and Pinterest and did I say Facebook? All of it. Um, I'm active on the daily though on Instagram and TikTok. So check that out. I'm really diving into power carving these days. So you can see me up to those shenanigans there. And uh, yeah. Find me, follow me, say hi, tell me you found me through the podcast, all of that good jazz. It's Wednesday. Hope you're having a great week, and I will see you all on Friday for a Maker Mom episode. Does you